You're listening to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. Join us on Discord. Welcome to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. I'm Jamin. I'm a Tyler. And uh, we are doing a live back-in-person session today, as you can watch live on Facebook and download this with higher audio quality due to the fact that we're back in person. Oh, yeah. Uh, later on the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. Now, you can join Nerd Church Monday nights from 530 to 9 o'clock. We've been playing a lot of fun games lately. And uh, been having a good time. We've also been, a uh, few of us have been staying up extra late after Nerd Church to play a uh, RPG called Allies of Majesty, which was made by a friend we made through Nerd Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bring that up because we're going to be talking about other RPGs today. In this particular case, Dungeons and Dragons, which Tylar introduced me to. Hello. Being the big Dungeons and Dragons person. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, so I've been playing D&D since college, um, and, uh, you know, from what I've what I've learned about uh, uh, Dungeons & Dragons over the years is that uh, Christians are very afraid of it, um, and everyone gets very worried and is like, the demons are going to come out and kill our children, um, and it's, it's, it, it might sound like a joke to people that play D&D, but to the people that are, uh, you know... Uh, Christian, you're probably like, yes, I know. The demons are going to come out and kill my children. Um, and it might be worth fleshing some of this out before we get too far in. Yeah, because that's I got to talk about it right away. Because I mean, as soon as I came in, the first thing you said to me was D and D. Well, we got to talk about that, Tyler. <laughs> well, just like that. It was in those. Uh, that it was just, just like that. that. I said it just like that. Yeah, it was like Tyler. We gotta we gotta talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Well, we had to find a happy middle. So, like, for me, here's the thing. The more that I've studied spiritual gifts, which has been a huge focus of mine over the years, the more I've realized that a lot of spiritual gift-type stuff, be it prophecy or um, engaging the Holy Spirit or uh, flexing your imagination to engage with God, that all seems very biblical to me. And in the same route, I've seen it used and heard techniques where people use this to open themselves up to, to you know, whether it be demons or whatever kind of other spirits. So for me, it was like we're engaging in a game that is technically based on a supernatural worldview. And we're just looking for, like, the appropriate way to engage in this uh, because it's a very powerful tool for telling stories and having fun and doing drama and acting and whatnot. But at an extreme, and I would say this is probably unusual, <laughs> at an extreme, I could see how people could use it inappropriately uh, and would understand why some Christians would, of course, be turned off by where it can go. Uh, but it all started... Christians got really upset and scared of it because of the uh, satanic panic back in the 80s. Um, because uh, these two kids that had been playing D&D unfortunately took their lives. Um, and the parents blamed the occult game that they had been playing. Um, and the, the demons on the front of these books. Um, the, the only thing on the front of the book at the time those things happened was this statue of a thing with a red like gem in its eye um there were there was no demon on the front of the books but the people thought that um and it, it came from just like monsters so like people were like oh hey there's like these video games that are starting to come out too around this like late 80s time that all of these monsters are like getting attacked you know you got like castlevania and stuff like that and you got these like crazy cool like dungeons that are being explored what if we did that but you could do anything and uh so that's where it kind of came from just as like you can create your own game it's kind of the same thing we do today with like uh, like your own RPG maker and stuff like that. I think that it's from the same kind of like idea and like place. Like now technology is so easy to use that you can literally just go online and create an RPG just because it's really easy with the technology we have. Just input like information. 
But back in the day, we didn't have all that. And so like a basic RPG like Castlevania and uh, which RPG, it's it's an action game. But um, that was the closest they had. Um, wasn't really possible to do as much as we can now. So that's where D&D stepped in is like a you can play a game that you have a character and you can make choices that have repercussions. It, no, one, no one was playing the game um, at the time like, oh man, I can't wait to try to summon these demons into real life. Um, but, you know, uh, since it had demons at all in the name, um, Christians got upset. Um, also during those times, though, the there was a lot of scare over anything outside of, like, Christian um, because, you know, that was a big thing. That in the 80s was very, like, pushback on um, anything that could be considered non-Christian. Um, so D&D kind of got ousted as the, like, scapegoat of that, of we should burn all these books and get rid of any, like idea of using imagination at all, uh, which is where I disagree on fully, is because D&D becomes such a great tool for telling stories, for engaging with others, for teaching lessons, for um, just having fun. Um, It's such a fun thing to just be able to have a character that can do anything and you can experience, you know, the the highs and lows of... uh, uh, of what this character is going through, uh, and and you can tell a story that's unique to your friends group or like player group that's playing with you. Um, it's a lot of fun, and I think by saying that it's all evil, um, it, it just kind of like okay, well then football is evil because there's violence, you know. Well, I mean, you know, this is just a game of imagination, and when you are kids, you run around with your friends and you pretend that a hundred different things are happening, and you tell a story. That's exactly what this is, just in more of a game form with mm-hmm. uh, math to it to try to What's like, rules? <laughs> yeah, rules and math and whatnot. I think honestly, the big question is, I wouldn't call D and D a like only good game or only bad game. I'd it's say it's a, a neutral. It's just a game. <laughs> yeah, but I would say it's neutral <laughs> and it's dependent upon the people playing. What the game DM. isn't? Right. What game isn't though? Well, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's different from other games. I'm just saying, like, it's all dependent on who you're playing with. Because I think there's been good points, and we've seen this in the Nerd Church Discord, too. Like, some people have played this, and, like, you know, you have a bunch of uh, overly sexed boys just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to run to all these brothels and just do all this stuff. And, like, you know, just that that can be, like, flexing your imagination in the wrong way in the DM, mm-hmm. just letting you, like kill everything with no punishment and and like just do whatever you know there's a lot of like stuff in the world going on right now when we look at that you know last thing we really need to do is be creating imaginative worlds where we do the same thing and i think video games have given the space for that where you have some that are just like literally do whatever you want um dnd has the potential for that but it's all again like is dependent upon who's playing it, mm-hmm. how they're playing it. And I think there's plenty of Christian reasons if you're playing with the wrong group where you say, I'm going to excuse myself from this game. You know? For sure. But that's that's going to vary depending on who you're playing with. And when I play it, I'm playing with people who, like, you know, aren't going to they, – they know they know the interior rules as to what's appropriate and what's not within our game. Yeah. So, like, I think a lot of people that play D&D would also agree with you. There are those, like, subsects, but, like – even the forums that I'm on for like just the culture outside of like the Christian culture in D and D, because I want to get into that too, um, is very much so against that kind of play style as well. Mm-hmm. Like people are really uh, like, hey man, like they've learned psychology throughout the years since 1980. We've learned a lot new, a lot of new things about psychology and how um, role playing as people can have effects on the mind. Um, and you know, if you're doing something that's evil. Um, as a character, there's a lot of things that like you have your character should have to like reconcile with something that's bad. So like if you steal something in the game, the DM should have to do something to make you reconcile with what you did. You think about it. Your character should have to go, this was a bad thing. I shouldn't have done that. Or else you didn't the character didn't learn anything. You didn't learn anything. Instead, you just repeated an action that was negative. Right. So like um, it's the same thing when we tell a story like in a book, we don't want the character to just be like, 
oh man, I uh, have this problem and I'm just a terrible person and there's no like redemption to me at all. Um, generally, when a lot of people go to see a movie, they want to see, even if the bad guy is bad, they want to see him try to be redeemed in some way. You know, Star Wars was a big thing for that. Hey, Darth Vader, bad guy. Um, well, you know, I, you're my father. I, you deserve love like anyone else. And you know what? I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fall into that gap that you did. And I think the D&D kind of hits on the same kind of point. It's, again, who's playing, what they're doing, why it's happening. And since these, even the culture surrounding D&D itself has started to say, like, especially in those moments of, like, we're going to go brothel hopping or, like, and stuff like that. It's just kind of, like, shunned on. Of course, there's things and then in the Christian culture um, that we go even further in. And I, I respect even more because I think, you know... Um, when we start, a lot of times when I watch something, um, D&D related on like Twitch or YouTube, um, I often see them, uh, taking like, um, like bar hopping and stuff like that still. And like experimenting with the use of like drugs or something. Um, which I would even say if that, if that character is not learning something from that and saying like, I should not have done this, it was a bad decision and I don't want to do that again. Or, um have like had a negative repercussion and everyone else everyone else like outside of the game learned like yeah that character did something bad and is having a bad time for it it's not teaching if it's not teaching everyone else something to reinforce a positive behavior um in society then it's probably not something you want in the game um so with like the same thing that with christian behavior um if it doesn't fit um what we teach in church which is you know biblical principles then it probably shouldn't be something we do in the game unless again there's an acting reason of like learning throughout these characters developing it's it's a character driven story most of the time in D&D so if these characters aren't learning something new um you're not really driving their character so you're you're losing out on first the fun of playing an actual character um and developing what a character actually goes through which is similar to what you go through um, in, in real life. And then second, you're missing out on actually teaching yourself and reinforcing positive behaviors like outside of the game. Um, so when we talk about, you know, uh, biblical stuff, we can all go back to Tolkien um, because he started it. He started the idea of putting like these fantastical elements into a Christian setting. Um, and then him and uh, Lewis went back and forth forever on how to do that properly, but um, <laughs> and what they both thought about it, um, which we've talked about plenty here on the podcast. So feel free to jump back on some old episodes um, or pick up a shirt that has uh, some Tolkien stuff on it about nerd church. Just saying, whatever. <clears throat> but um, I, I just I love that Tolkien's world revolves around a god who created everything through song um which you'll learn about in the silmarillion if you've read that um and he kind of goes into this uh this in-depth story of how all of his characters are still like trying to be christ-like if you look back at all of his good characters are trying to be christ-like and the things that are evil are things that are doing the opposite of god they're pulling away from god and um they're pulling away from the christian god specifically right so i i try to implement that in my games in a lot of ways um right now i'm taking you guys through a pretty like general DD campaign just so you got a feel for it and uh it's honestly it's hard to do for me because it's just kind of like this is just kind of a boring DD campaign um of like okay here's an encounter here's like some stuff here's some magical things they all exist um so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for when we can uh, do some, like, of my own, like, storytelling and stuff like that based off of, like, world that I've created. Um, because generally I like to add in, like, there being a god and, like, um, exploring ideas outside of, um, exploring ideas outside of the, like, normal for Christianity. Um, like, uh, what if instead of, like, people, um, like, Christians uh, having like a Jesus figure. What if we were still going through that time of um, like knowing that we're waiting for this like Christ figure to appear? What does that look like? How do we handle that? How do we work with that? How does that happen? Um, I've done that in past campaigns, and I think that those are fun ways to like explore what the the people of the Old Testament really like 
Oh no, it's trying to reconnect. Um, but it's a fun way of exploring how the people of the Old Testament kind of um, felt and how they were thinking about this like coming person. We don't know who he is. He's going to help us a lot though by being pretty great. They all thought that he was going to come and like conquer everything. So if you if you do that to your players, they can learn that experience. And then um, generally outside of the game, I like to talk about that kind of a thing. Like, yeah, I actually get this from like the Old Testament. And people are like, what? That's, that's I never really thought about it that way. And, um, so it always, for me, creates a cool atmosphere. Have, uh, have you done anything in your campaigns? Because you started some campaigns for D&D yeah. as well. That's pretty much all I've done at this point, and I could talk a lot about that. So, <laughs> well, I mean, we got if a, that's where we're going now. We've got a podcast, Jamin. We've right. got a podcast so, for it. <laughs> the first time that I played D anD D, I was terrified because Tyler was like, "Hey, we're gonna play this for opening night of of church. You're gonna lead it," and I was like, "I don't even know how to play the game." So somehow it worked out, um, but I uh, I was telling a tale with the nerd church group that I had that eventually they ran into the garrison demoniac of the Bible, except I didn't picture him <laughs> that way. It was a zombie more or less that, uh, they would have to like cast a bunch of spirits out of in order to restore to sanity. Uh, and then he would more or less come back to life, which is how I pictured it in a fantasy book I wrote as well. Uh, but I was just borrowing some of those elements already to try to like, find the ways to overlap the stories but one of my favorite times in that campaign was when they went to basically the garden of eden it was this beautiful place everything was great they speak with uh um more or less my like christ-like figure who kind of sets them up helps them out and then they the figure is just like all right take a look around enjoy you know and they go over and they come across this like uh just some other angel there is like hey guys how you doing you know they're thinking in their mind we're in a perfect place everything's great you know and this angel's just like uh if you guys uh wanted to you know soup up your wisdom a little bit you can have some water and i would just nonchalantly throw in a few little statements that this guy would make about god more mm-hmm. or less which was just it was it was smaller, but it was like, yeah, you know, God's got some interesting plans, to say the least. You know, little things like that. Yeah. Like, that you would either, like, pause on or you wouldn't pause on. But more or less, I was like, you can get more wisdom. You know, tree of knowledge of good and evil yeah. is more or less what I was doing here. If you drink of this water. And and the first one did. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> first one did. Because, you know, they're, they're still thinking, like, I'm in the Garden of Eden. What could go wrong here in paradise? Yeah. And they drink the water and they get wisdom. And they're like, dude, guys, you got to try this. I'm like, this guys, is, I'm getting this free wisdom. Exactly. <laughs> and so they all drink it. And at the end, suddenly the place just like shatters and Eden, like they're kicked out and Eden flies up into the air. And they're like, and I just remember talking with, I'm like, all right, that's the end of today's campaign. <laughs> I think that was actually the last campaign we ever played because then COVID hit. So that's where it yeah. ended for them. Oh, man. But for them, they're like, what have we done? <laughs> like, <laughs> like many of them, like, I've never, like, thought of Eden, like, what Adam and Eve must have felt like, what, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. They felt I'm like, it. that's exactly what I was going for, you know? Except so. you, f- I thought you might not do it, guys. <laughs> I, you I wasn't not. sure, you know? So it wasn't like the bold, <laughs> it, it wasn't like the, hey, you can do whatever you want, just don't drink from the water over there. Yeah, yeah. Because if I did that, it'd be too obvious. Yeah. So I just threw in a, more or less, just like a slightly bitter angel who you could read into this or you could not. Well, that's what, that's kind of what, like the Satan, the the snake in like Genesis kind yeah. of is. He's kind of, he's a very bitter angel. He's like, does God really like? Come on, man. Well, I also so since the Hebrew word for spirit is ruah and often translated as wind. I think the same with pneuma in Greek. Mm-hmm. I would make like the whole point of this campaign was you need to follow wherever the wind blows. And like I was trying to tell him the wind was blowing away from the water, <laughs> but. There might have been some misinterpretation. They thought it was blowing towards it or something. I, I don't know. But either way, one person was very upset because their character was based around wisdom. Because after this happened, I was like, okay, you all lose six wisdom. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm like, they're like, six? I'm like, you, you messed up. 
stop the world, you guys. You gotta like you're gonna feel the the pain of this, you know. Yeah. So um anyways, that's one story. I got more, but how about you before oh. I keep going? Well, yeah, I mean I've got a few uh stories of, of things that have happened, but we'll uh, go back and forth here. Yeah. Uh <laughs> we get give and take here a little bit. <laughs> uh so in in my campaigns, I generally try to put mine as like overarching themes and, and not much in the way of like encounters. But I've actually been changing that because I was like, when you started telling me those stories of what you were doing, I was like, I, I like this actually. Um, I, I kind of want to run something like that to where like I give people a choice to make like a um, a decision that could go really well or really poorly for them. Um, well, that's that's D and D in general, but we we choose to do them with like biblical principles, right? So. Um, um, you know, I, I, I <laughs> a lot of the, the weapons throughout my campaigns though, um, are based on things like, uh, like patience, uh, like, yeah, uh, the fruit of the spirit. I was going to say them all, but I'm like, the, the, the people are going to be like, okay, why are these random things here? Um, but like, uh, the fruit of the spirit, um, and so when uh, I'm creating like these weapons, I'm creating them thinking like, okay, what can they do that um, like would show this kind of a thing? Because it, metaphorically, like fighting is also something that's shown throughout the Bible as like a metaphorical kind of thing, especially in like Revelation when Jesus is like pulling out swords out of his mouth and stuff, and you're yep. like, wait, is that an actual sword? Well, no, it doesn't sound like it because <laughs> word of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, um, the word of the Lord is a sword, <laughs> which is exactly what Paul says, anyways. <laughs> That sounds so cool. So edgy. Um, it's the sword of the sword, Lord. The sword <laughs> of the Lord. <laughs> uh, but so that's the kind of thing that I like to do too, is kind of like throw in those kinds of things to where the weapons um, can show some of the like, uh, and also sometimes they're sentient, so they'll literally just only be that one thing. Like they're only patient. That's the weapon that is just sitting there and is like, well, guys, like we could... <laughs> We could just take a break, though. Like, just just wait for it. Just wait for it. And kind of shows, like, the fault in just kind of focusing on one of the fruit of the Spirit, like, instead of all of them. Um, so that's, like, one thing that I've done before is kind of throw those together. Um, the main thing I like to do, though, is have the characters... Um, to kind of ask that bigger question, like I was talking about, of... Uh, you know, what if uh, we didn't, like, what if, I think you're going to talk about the what if humans never fell kind of a thing, which I'm, I'm hoping to hear from you on this podcast, because um, that was a cool one that made me go like, oh, I need to do that. I need to run that. Um, like, or there's at least a place or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I wanted to do something similar to that before. So I had done, um, like, what if... Uh, they were living in the time of like what's prophesied in Revelation, but it was all happening like once instead of being like a, you know, a long time, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's all happening at once. So like all of these big apocalyptic events are happening all at once, and everyone is literally sitting there going, "Oh my goodness!" And I let them have huge like level characters and everything, and like you know, there's dragons coming out of the water and stuff, and they're just terrified for their lives and everything, and I'm like. Yeah, I think this 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 kind of goes why uh, if this all happened at once, people would not be able to live through like any of that <laughs> psychologically. Um, so like, there's just huge like you know plagues and stuff going on, and they have to kind of like fight through it um, in order to like meet a figure uh, that like halfway to like redeem the world and everything and like work with them. So like, there's a lot of things they have to like fight through um, to get to this figure. Um, which is is Jesus, but uh, it's always Jesus. <laughs> um, but uh, like fighting the fighting everything to get to this figure is literally fighting through, um, which I don't think they ever really fully knew um, because they didn't they didn't finish that campaign. But um, they were fighting through all of the different apocalyptic events in uh, in Revelation, which was really cool, um, really different to experience. One of my players like started getting like a plague kind of a thing and was just like. Oh, this is bad. This is really... Guys, like, we need to stop and figure this out. And, like, everyone else is dealing with their own thing. And they're like, we we don't have time to stop. And I'm like, wow. Like, yeah, if this was all happening, like, 
there's no time to like stop to like fix these things. As a DM, I was having a really hard time trying to balance that because, you know, we're thinking about more than just, you know, the overall story as well. I was thinking like, okay, like these guys are getting their butts kicked, kind of the point, but like they were getting their butts kicked so much that like I had to throw like healing at them for free and stuff like that because I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm giving you guys way too much. Uh, they kind of, because like a plague, you know, it's bad on its own. But when they haven't been able to finish dealing with the plague fully and they have to go into a new thing that's happening and, you know, um, you know, all these like creatures are coming up, you know, um, the the horsemen of the apocalypse and everything are coming out and they have to kind of try to fight those guys, too. Um, it becomes a lot harder to deal with all of those things separately. Um so they're trying and they're hardest, but it just kind of made me go like, yeah, that, that campaign was literally, if, if Jesus wasn't there, they'd be done. Like that would be the end. There would be no, <laughs> yep. it's kind of like Gandalf in the Hobbit. Like Bilbo's just like, okay, if I just, if I just play this long enough, maybe Gandalf will come back. <laughs> maybe, maybe something will happen and I can be saved. Um, and he, you know, that's what the, like the, um, not giants, but trolls. And he's like, they're all trying to cook up the, the, the dwarves and everything and but he's like uh yeah so what how would you cook them <laughs> <laughs> and they start talking about it and then you know eventually they're all the dwarves are all freaking out like you know really really mad really mad at bilbo but then gandalf's like shut up you fools like he played for time because he trusted in me and i'm like oh Jesus. <laughs> like, that's kind of like what we're doing a lot of time when we're, um, and like God's kind of showing us like he's waiting like throughout, like, you know, he, he's waiting for us to kind of like be redeemed. He's waiting for us to ask for forgiveness a lot of the time. And like, if like as Christians, we're kind of just the people playing for time at, at some points, like, okay, like, this is great and all, you know, we're working on this, and, uh, but what, what about, like, this thing? Tell me more about yourself for a quick second, and then they're, like, talking, and, like, and you're waiting for, Jesus, please come, I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that was a cool moment for, for my campaign, is learning kind of how that, like, apocalyptic thing kind of feels in a, in a story, like, based sense, like, Revelations is weird. Yeah. So, like, to have to be able to or revelation sorry um it's revelation right i always For, go back and forth on it yeah it's yeah. not revelations no the yeah. plural is the wrong one yeah jbl uh, or the society of biblical literature their shirt two years ago is just revelations with the cross <laughs> through the s i was like wow well, all right that's <laughs> Picky well, scholars <laughs> because it sounds like it should be like for me it sounds like it should be the revelations you know, because yeah. it's it's a person's revelations of something to happen, but it's also one revelation. It's so the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think is how revelation really gets started. So they just take the word right out of there. Yeah. So, uh, but we actually the about halfway through COVID, I was like, okay, I want to try to run a campaign. We'll just do it online because mm -hmm. you know we needed to find ways to communicate with one another, and we used revelation. I don't know if they... I think they caught on. <laughs> but, so I, I was telling a lot of just supernatural perspectives of the Bible into what we were doing. It started off with them fighting a basilisk. Uh, well, okay, they were all stoned. They became unstoned. That's <laughs> not maybe the right word. They were stoned and became <laughs> they unstoned, were, James. They were turned into stone <laughs> when they all came out of their stonedness. Nope. <laughs> Still not working. <laughs> when they were no longer turned into rocks, <laughs> they then like, they were like the only few who mm -hmm. weren't turned into rocks. They look around, they have to figure out why uh, they were turned into rocks, who they are. They don't have any memory, whatever. They're trying to figure things out. They're looking around. They eventually like, there's this book that says if you don't like figure out when exactly everyone was turned into stone, I will kill everyone here or whatever. Mm -hmm. Using some interesting skills of, it was a puzzle. They actually figured it out and they, uh, a basilisk came out after that and they had to fight it. Woo. Um, to which they won and then they all went to bed. And then in the next section, 
they woke up inside of a, a dragon's stomach. <laughs> They're like, what happened? So they... The belly of the whale. Yeah, so they figured they were all eaten one by one while they were sleeping. They wake up. They're trying to, like, break out. When they break out, they look down. It's just, like, they're hundreds of feet up in the air. Uh, when they finally, like, manage to hop out and find a way to the ground, um, that dragon hits the ground, is turned into a... Uh, what's the bone dragon? The Oh, Dracolich? Yeah, it's turned into a Dracolich and then flies away. Another dragon shows up, turns it into a Dracolich, and then <laughs> flies away. And you're like, what is going on? Anyways, they find out that they're now in the spiritual realm, that the dragon has like flown from the physical realm through like the veil into basically heaven, if you will. Um, and they're there. And that's where they're given their orders, more or less, is like... There's a mark on all their wrists, and they've all been told that they need to go and give this mark to everybody else because the maker is coming back to this, or not coming back, but he's going to this planet, and only those with the mark who are going to live on and when he redoes the world or whatever. Which, you know, it was hard not to be cheesy about evangelism, but that is essentially yeah. what we were doing with that. Um, likewise, what they had to do was basically they had to go to the areas of false gods and try to um, remove the false god's teaching and put in place the maker's teaching, in which case, if they were successful, other people would get the mark or whatever. Anyways, that became like the whole campaign going place to place trying to... Was the mark microchips? (laughs) It was just a golden uh, glow around the wrist or whatever. Um, But the first place, as soon as they leave kind of the spiritual realm... They're trying to figure out what to do when they're sucked under the earth. And that's, uh, they more or less went to Tartarus in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, the place, not where just demons were, but where the sons of God who procreated with women and gave rise to the Nephilim, the Bible says that they're locked up in Tartarus, which in the Greek world was like where the Titans were, you know? Yeah. So, anyways, this is like the bad part of the underworld. It's the prison, like the ultimate prison. And so, like, they end up there, and one of my characters was, like, a a robot, and essentially, like, they've been set up against this, (laughs) this... Everyone, everyone that plays (laughs) D&D right now is like, does this guy play in D&D or something else? So, uh, Jamin, just kind of, like, quickly explain kind of the difference between, like, and I love it, actually, because, like, you give me so many more, like, ideas for what can happen, because I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking very, like... Um, D&D has like these stories and I'm kind of like taking these D&D stories and making them into something more um, biblical where you're coming from like the opposite where like you've you've read like C.S. Lewis and stuff like that and you're really inspired by the way that he kind of does stuff um, where it's like totally different not like of course the people who just heard you say that a dragon just flew by and turned a dragon into a dracolich yep. everyone's like there is so much more um <laughs> to becoming a dracolich in D um than just being turned into one yeah. uh so like just so you know like jamin's playing a totally different like style than a lot of like the casual D players and i actually love it more because it's like i would so much rather prefer to like be sitting in a game and someone says a dragon flies by and turns that dragon into a dracolich and i go <laughs> how yeah. how how does that dragon have dragolich turning into powers and so that's something to remember is i i i'm not working with the lore of dnd i'm working with allegorical fantasy so yeah. my dragon is Satan, and your, your robots less, right yeah. <laughs> well so the robot was a war forge yeah like i didn't fully understand so i just went like full robot you know <laughs> but i'm just working with i'm looking at these dnd manuals i'm like ah, i could see where i could use this allegorically which is how it should be that. used i 100 believe that's how it should be used yeah so that's what i've been doing so when you have this satan like creature try to like satanically raise the dead more or less create this zombie-fied version of this or whatever um but when like the warforge or my robot (laughs) ends up in the underworld and they're all trying to figure out what they do they're like face to face with these fallen sons of god who are chained up and their test like the makers actually set them up with this is like are you going to be just as bad as as these people and like violently just like begin fighting and all that so every time they'd fight it they would like get beat up like horribly um and the the test was on the warforge do you deserve a spirit is more or less what it was Mm -hmm. the maker was trying to like 
am I going to deposit in you something more? Which, you know, is it's more or less just like the robot debates of the yeah, future. Like, like when AI, does this AI become? Does that, yeah. yeah. When does it become? And like, so I'm not even saying that's a thing. I'm just. No, it's, it's a question. It's allegory, right? Yeah. So that was kind of the question. I allowed them to get it. And then they all went to another. They went to the world of the Warforge and they they delivered the message like to them. And <laughs> they they messed up too many times in this place. They had to like defuse bombs and they didn't. And they blew up the entire city, including themselves. Woo! So my total party <laughs> killed them. my entire party like five sessions into the game. I'm like, well, what do I do now? So I'm like resurrection <laughs> so <laughs> so then i like was telling like you guys get these new bodies you come back to life uh all the war forge you notice some of them like didn't take the mark and they're gone but those who did stuck around and they're helping you guys and and so now they're walking around way too early with resurrected bodies but as a sign to like the rest of the world of the resurrection to come Anyways, that's cool. Yeah. So like, you know, you're playing hard and loose with the biblical rules, but eventually eventually they they get to this place where they have to destroy this worm and the whole city's celebrating that they destroyed this worm. <laughs> uh and uh if they were paying close attention to like the details I was setting up, they would have realized that this was the same place they turned into rocks at the beginning of the game. If they didn't and so they got turned into rocks. <laughs> and when they come out of it, um, one of my characters was more or less like an angel sent to protect them. Um, the angel was able to kind of get them out of it 30 years later. And they're like, what happened? Why were we turned into rocks again? And they find out like, no, that first time when you were turned into rocks was actually a vision of this time. And you were given the vision so that you knew when it would come down the road to avoid it, but you didn't. <laughs> and so, like, now the whole game... Dream. The whole game has started as a... I'm teaching them prophecy now. Like, yeah. God doesn't just, like, I'm giving you a vision because it's going to happen exactly this way. Visions are sometimes, like, a warning of, like, don't do this or it will happen this way, you know? Mm -hmm. And they didn't catch on to that. So they turned the vision. They're like, so what? The game started in the dragon's stomach? <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, like, then they find out they're actually um, all of them were created by the Warforge. It's why they have no memories. The Warforge shot these like bullets into the dragon, which then like planted these like <laughs> seeds of them, and then they grew in the dragon's belly. So that's like where they all started. And then the maker took what was originally intended for bad and used it for good <laughs> by redeeming these 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 people and using them to so like it's just constantly trying to tell those stories until eventually they end up at, at armageddon where all the world that didn't take the mark along with all the depths of hell all rise up to fight the maker at his mountain and all those with the mark are there like ready to yeah to fight which allegorically it fails because at that point in the bible jesus just uses his all the his sub ward right he uses his mouth and just yeah pronounces judgment but i had them kind of battle a little bit because it's D, &D. <laughs> so D &D. anyways that was that was a lot of that campaign but in that i was constantly trying to like teach different kinds of biblical themes the the one i'm doing now is a sci-fi campaign and the reason i well before i get to that did you have one you want to hop back? I on? wanted to. I wanted to talk a little bit about like how it's just so crazy to me how much we kind of follow the people that we have kind of like that inspired us so much. Mm -hmm. I'm very much so like a Tolkien nerd, so much so that like my worlds are very realistic in the sense that like you know that this in my worlds that stuff would like never happen. Um, like having all of these like crazy like circumstances leading up would be so hard to like write into my world because it's so like realistic and how how the like players turn out and they do have the freedom to do what they want don't get me wrong I'm, yeah i'm not crafting what they have to do i'm just well i'm i think D, &D <laughs> people would very much so say that your your games are on a railroad oh yeah for sure yeah i come session by session thinking what story do i want to put them in yeah 
and then let them make the decision. Yeah. So, so like, where like I come from, here's the world you guys play in. Um, go make a story with your characters. Um, so I just find it's so cool to see like the different ways the indie can be played because there's no right way like here for like how you set up your stories and everything. I don't think um, like. You can have a realistic world and tell stories that way, or you can have a totally, like, uh, every session is its own, like, story. Um, and I think there's a lot of, like, different things that can, like, there's a lot of ways to, like, use those different styles. Um, and I, I think that yours kind of, like, follows that, like, C.S. Lewis, like, storytelling style. So where mine definitely fits more in with, like, the Tolkien, like, storytelling style of, like, did you understand the metaphor? And everyone's like, there was a metaphor? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and then yours is like, did you guys understand the metaphor? Lion and they're Jesus like, goes wrong. They're like, yes, Jamin, we understood the metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I catch it too well. Like they were God's chosen people, right? You know, like yeah. in, in my story. At one point, a Balrog showed up. <laughs> it's literally. And they're getting ready to fight it. But the Balrog's talking about how he needs to exterminate them because they're not following God. (laughs) And the Balrogs and his people are the real people of God. And they're like, it's a Pharisee Balrog. I'm like, yes. It's a Pharisee Balrog. I was hoping it wasn't that obvious, but (laughs) yes. Because what I did, you know, I've got like basically some spawn of Satan himself pretending to be working for God. And he has no idea that he's not, you know. So, oh my goodness! Lots of moments like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I love it so. It's so different from like the ones that I normally like run. So I, I would love to play in a campaign like yours. It's so much different yeah. than mine. Um, but yeah, go on to your next story because I think you're going to tell the one that I wanted to hear too. Yeah. Well, here's what I realized with the sci-fi campaign: you're intentionally thinking world to world, to world to world, right? So mm-hmm. like, part of the reason we have problems with like some people get very upset about D&D in a Christian aspect is because we naturally think we're playing in our world. Yeah. Uh, and I think when you're varying from worlds, it gives you the space to tell what if our story had gone differently. And a lot of this was based kind of off my alien theology book anyways, where in that book I talk about what if, you know, on this planet no one needed to be saved because they never screwed up in the first place things like that yeah so i started telling those stories in in this sci-fi campaign universe where essentially yeah you have a bad guy but it's not satan because in the bible satan is sent to the earth so he's like this is in some other territory you know um but uh you've got a planet where nobody messed up Everything's perfect, and they uh, have therefore turned the entire planet into a garden. I talked about this on our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people try to approach that planet, the guardian cherub with the flaming sword in the Bible, like, he stops you, like, in your spaceship. <laughs> you know, like, he's got to protect the whole planet from you coming in because it's yeah. all sacred space. They've also accidentally gone to, like, a parallel planet like that where that same race has completely messed everything up. And um, they're not pacifists like that planet. They're they're actually, they were turned into slaves by all the other races. And now they've gotten power. Now they've turned everyone else into slaves. And they've been waiting for someone to show up from their prophecy to tell them, like, what they need to do. And so you've got someone here to say, like, you need to let your slaves go and, like, become good people we've seen what you can be you know Mm -hmm. and like they're they're never gonna buy into that you know it's kind of the pharisee enigma again of like jesus coming like i'm the one you've been looking for like (laughs) no you're not you know so like they're facing that story but then every single planet can can be done differently so if the bible tells us that at the tower of babel god turned control over different nations to different spiritual entities to little g gods right deuteronomy mm-hmm. 32 8 but then psalm 82 tells us all those little g gods have gone corrupt and bad and therefore will be judged i will have a planet where um you get to it and the little g gods actually serve 
the real God. You know, like yeah. it's not our planet. It's it's different. What if, you know, it's the what ifs that we're thinking about. What if the little G gods of the nation had actually imaged God to to the people who follow them like they were intended to do? There would be a planet like that. What if you never sinned? There would be a planet like that. What if you sinned, but you're not made in the image of God and therefore like not necessarily in need of redemption per se? Uh, what if you're a robot and you don't have you know any sentience? What if <clears throat> one of my planets, God basically taught them uh, uh, magic because he felt it fit for them to know it. Whereas mm-hmm. other planets, uh, like ours, if you will, like mm-hmm. that's forbidden, right? What if there is some planet out there where for God be like, no, for you, it's fine, you know? Um, because I trust you. And, so, and when you look at resurrection, like the bodies that we put on at that point almost seem magical in some sense. They're immortal. They never die. When Jesus' resurrected body, just like, can vanish and then reappear wherever he wants. <laughs> uh, and like, what if one day what we put on is something like what we would say right now is forbidden to us? Yeah. You know? um, and so any perceivable way in which you can think of what if our planet went differently, I'm trying to paint those pictures in, you know, like I expect that when they land on the planet where there's false gods in charge of different nations that they're immediately going to go to them and be like we've come to you know fight you and they're like what are you talking about we work for the maker you know like we're we're here doing the same thing uh because that's the way that the bible originally pictured the hope of what would happen so like when you're thinking outside of your own box and you're thinking outside of your own planet you start i think to get the understanding theologically of what the bible hoped for what it wanted to paint so on and so forth like does another planet need jesus to save them or jesus saving humanity did that save them as well you know like there's more questions to ask and and i think i think a sci-fi campaign because you put up walls between your mind of i'm on a different planet now and earth is a planet with its own stipulations its own chaos its own order what if other planets have their own different kind of order that God seemed to see fit for that. So that's... Do you want to be crazy? What if works was like we didn't have like the the like Jesus like figure yet. So like works was the only way to like, you know, you yeah. know what I mean? Know what I'm saying? Like only way to like connect with God and like actually like be redeemed and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that'd it, be that'd be a rough world, dude. It would, <laughs> and so that you know, it gives you the space to tell that, or at least to tell a story. You land on a planet, and this this race is just so overly like, God, we want you to like us, you know. Yeah. Instead of, and your character's like, you don't understand. Like he he there, likes you. you know? There's a guy that died for for us already, and they're like. What? <laughs> <laughs> at least on our planet. You know, well, our... at least on my, my planet. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it just gives you the space to ask a lot of philosophical questions. And I think it, it starts to put us in our own place because there's a lot of questions. We, like angels. If angels are made in the image of God, which we talked about, um, we're talking about next week on the Jackson Cloud on Wednesday then they actually have their own different order than we already have, right? Mm-hmm. There are some things that are okay for them to do that are not okay for us to do. Likewise, the opposite. They're not supposed to have sex. <laughs> and yet, when they do it in the Bible, they're, like, condemned yeah. for it, right? But we can. So, like, we have our different modes of imaging and our different modes of order. And... Uh, um. What if other planets are out there? What would their order look like? Maybe it's not the same as ours. It would still be the same God, of course, and he has his own order in mind, but maybe he reflects it differently based on what he's dealing with. Like, ooh, what what would he's it, created. What would a world look like where everyone had the same like personality? I made that one, yeah. Yeah. The her who are just clones of each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. So that's where that comes from in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that sounds so like hard to do because then like, are they all saved? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. A well, lot of questions come. They're from clones that. too, you know. Yeah. So, like, so it's like. 
Yeah. And it gives you just space to phrase other things in different ways too. Like the robot things. For me, there's kind of like a little bit of of the Nephilim in that idea in the first place. Like yeah. the Nephilim, or sorry, the sons of God that created the Nephilim, what was really on their heart to some extent was mm, we want to be our own creators, you know? And so we made an ungodly kind of life that God did not make. And uh, sorry, robots are not the way I was going to go with this. Clones, like humanity, I don't, maybe someone's even done it already without telling everyone, I don't know. <laughs> But like we're 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 we've been working on cloning for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. We've cloned sheep or whatever. Um, what happens when we clone, clone humanity? humanity? <laughs> like the question then is like, God, does this thing have a soul? Is it real? Is it not? And uh, um, that's the same question with the Nephilim. Is like, did I tell you to make humanity this way? Like, just oh. as these sons of God wanted to create outside of the bounds, now yeah. you're create you're trying to be like gods too. I think that's so cool because, like, Tolkien also had those kinds of thoughts, um, like, with his dwarves and everything. Like, they were created because one of the angels was like, what if what if I did it? What if I created God? And then he did, and God's like, you're... <laughs> you weren't... Well, can they live? I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're... You created... Dude. <laughs> and that's the Nephilim question, yeah. right? Because, like, that's kind of what they do, and, like, God lets them live, but yeah, they so. are doomed to hell. Yeah. So, like, it's the same question. If we're making clones and now we're trying to be gods because we've created life and we've edited the DNA and Are we whatnot. dooming people? Yeah. Well, so. like, the dwarves were doomed to corruption in Tolkien's universe. Like, really? They were, they're constantly digging underground as dark, as deep as they can go hmm. to eventually reach where they get Balrogs. So they're just like digging to hell. Yeah, they're just digging themselves to hell. That's what they're doomed to do. Yeah. I wonder if Tolkien had any of that in mind. Dude, you can't at... you can't even ask that question anymore. I know, There's like, so many overlaps. Tolkien and Lewis knew a whole lot more about biblical mythology than the rest of us. And they yeah. knew we weren't ready to hear about it, so they just put it into their own stories. No, this is the only thing that makes sense now that scholars are like, you know, when we look at the Bible, the mythology is a lot more intense than... Because like, if things on this podcast sound weird to you when I'm like the false little G-gods, you're like, oh my gosh, is he blasphemous? It's like, no, this is... Several passage, well, all throughout the entire Bible yeah. that we're working off of here, and the fact that Tolkien and Lewis could give a voice to that, and then cause us to think about our world and ways in which the Bible actually pictures it, gives us the space to like be like, okay, so like, <laughs> can we think a little better about our theology, and can we um, understand our worlds a lot more complex than the way in which 21st century American Christianity has painted it. You know? Yeah, and I think D&D is one of the great ways we can experiment with that and like learn more about it, and that's like kind of what we're doing. And I, I, I hope that you know anyone that does listen to this or is watching on Facebook, hi, hi, Grandma, I love you too. Um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, I hope you guys can take away like some of those ideas or take away just like the concept of adding these biblical ideas into your stories. Because even if, even if you're not a Christian, right? These stories are cool, man. Like, you can't tell me that a race of beings doomed to hell isn't like a metal story, okay? You can't tell me that's not like on a metal cover somewhere. Like, that's metal. That's straight up like 90s, 80s metal levels of like, whoa, that's in your Bible. (laughs) Just think of what Tolkien and Lewis have done for so many, you know? Oh, yeah. Tolkien did not, like, write an evangelistic, like, this is how I lead people to Christ. He just wrote a story, and many people have, over time, come to Christ because of it. Because it opened their world, including Tyler. You know, it opened their world to to think a little broader and to, to see beyond the veil. I had a friend who read Lord of the Rings, like, every day in high school, and I'd tease him about it at the time, and... And like, like, you know, Tolkien was Christian, right? Like, I just throw that in every once in a while. And like, he texted me much later in life. It was like, you know, I finally came around to Jesus. And, uh, you know, Tolkien played a part. And says, man, Tolkien has a better success rate than 
than many Christians, you know, and like the story that he told doesn't even look like it's about a guy with a ring. <laughs> it's a guy that was upset with the quality of a ring, so yeah. he took it back to the jeweler. Ironically, in a world full of magic, in a world full of uh, you know, fallen entities and stuff that were like, mm, let's not like tell those stories. It's like that was the story that's leading people and it's the story of your Bibles, too. You yeah. know, like those elements are in there, whether they're forbidden or not. It still makes up a part of the narrative of what's being told. It's so, the Bible. It's the yeah. it's a Bible story, guys. Uh, I, I I know that a lot of people that play D&D like, are like, oh, Bible, it's so boring. What are we going to have Jesus come up and just do things? It's like, no, there's so many things that you can do. There's so many different like situations you can have your characters be in and like go further than just the... Jesus comes and and everyone everyone's saved. Yeah. But you can also do that because a Gandalf moment can be really played really cool. Yeah. Just going to say. Gandalf showing up and being like, hey, those guys, I'm going to reveal some sun. They're stone now. Like, that's a cool moment. <laughs> well, even in my one campaign, like, I threw in Jesus moments, but I had it focused on really what is, what are you supposed to be doing? What does this Jesus character needs you to do because we're focusing on like your part in the story. Yeah. Which is the same thing for all Christians. What is our part in the story on behalf of Jesus? You know, it's mm -hmm. so, like my Jesus character was basically an angelic like figure before who would talk as though he is God, but isn't God, but is, <laughs> you know, or sorry, they, they thought like, is this God or, or not? Cause this angel keeps talking like he is. And then the angel was like, all right, I'll see you guys in 30 years. <laughs> and they're like, what? And then they got turned to stone. And when they see him in 30 years, he's now like, he, he was born a baby, grew up 30 years. <laughs> and it's just this man, like, who are you? He's like, I've talked to you guys before. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, how's it going? And I'm working off the angel of the Lord theology between Old Testament and yeah. Jesus and the New Testament, you know. And so, like, I'll sprinkle that in there, but our focus is still, like, what are you going to do? What's your case? And what's really interesting about this new campaign I started, none of my characters seem very interested in the maker. And, like, as people they are, because they're all Christians. Yeah. But the characters that they've created are too blinded by other things to be interested in following God, you know? None of them have, have a mark. <laughs> and so, like, at this point, it's like, God still has use of you in his story, whether you're willing to be a part of it or not. Yeah. Um, but the invitation's still open, you know. And, like, many of them are so hard, and they're like, Jamin, I just don't think my character's, like, going to be open to this. I'm like, um, your character may not need to play the ultimate story then and, like, may just, like, be used for what they need, and then you'll go do what you do. I don't, you know? Yeah, they might... So like that's that's always a hard thing is like players kind of asking the question you know as a like we're talking a lot from like the DM's perspective of like playing in D and D maybe we can do a whole episode on a player's perspective as well because uh, yeah. you know um, get some players in here to talk with us as t as well but uh, like as a player it's always so hard because you have to remember that like you're playing in a game with like other people too. Um, that are also trying to tell this like story. So you have to remember like, is it what your character would do? Maybe not always, but your what your character does is, is honestly up to the player. Um, so if you want your character to do something, then you have to make a logical reason as to why they would do it. Um, that's what a lot of like storytellers um, in like book talent, book stories, a lot of movie like storytellers. That's what they do. Is they're like, okay, I need this character to like be redeemed in some way, but they are terrible, and I don't know how to do it. How do we logically get there? And so they have to actually take the steps to say like, okay, this character needs some kind of like moment to like spark something and then once it's sparked like then maybe someone talks to them and they start questioning their ideals and everything and then maybe there's a point when it comes around to that that's what you kind of have to do with your character yeah. um to like move away from like my character wouldn't do that is okay i want my character to become a better person um or i want my character to be redeemed in some way i feel like he's being more evil than I want him to be. How do I get him there? And honestly, like the DM would love it if you went and talked to them about that and was like, 
oh yeah you want a redemption story for your character oh yeah dude like how do we do this let's let's try to figure it out like let's not you know you don't want to like railroad your character on how they're going to make their decisions but you're waiting for the right moment for your character to like so that you can jump on it as a player and be like oh this is the moment i can use this to like springboard a like compelling redemption story for my character um so it's not always on the dms to create those moments it's really on players as well but um it takes a lot on both sides to be able to tell a really good story um so that's just for players to like think about because i know that like during my campaigns and everything i've had some moments where i've had to be like hey this is this is weird please maybe leave this place guys uh, which i won't get into here but um and so yeah it, you just have to like really work with your players a lot as dms um to be able to make sure that they're kind of like choosing because as a dm you're coming to them with like this is the story that i want to tell kind of a thing um and they're choosing to play in the campaign because of the story that you're wanting to tell so if they're not cohesively fitting into that story it's it's time to question you know will this character never do you not want them to be a redeemable character well then they don't really fit into the story do you want to maybe create a new character that would fit into the story a little bit better or because like it, it doesn't it doesn't have to just be like it's not just christians dealing with this problem a lot of dms deal with this problem outside of like the spiritual aspects like maybe there's a character they're like well my character would would kill this guy and the dm's like okay but like everyone else here's lawful good why are you and we're playing this like campaign about how they save the world why did you create a lawful evil character that doesn't fit with the rest of the group like we we're all yeah. playing this game you're not playing the game with us you're playing another game mm -hmm. um so a lot of people deal with that kind of thing and i've dealt with that of on multiple occasions it's really hard to get your players to kind of understand that like it's not just the character it's you as a player yeah. as well that's just my two cents on that because i've had a lot of experiences with it too yeah well that's where i'm looking for allegory wherever i can even when they're you know against it so like for me so far all throughout the prophets god uses unholy people who are not his yeah to his advantage you know it's like Okay, Israel, you've done messed up. I'm turning this kingdom against you and releasing the like protection upon you. And they're technically my pawn, even though yeah. they aren't, you know, they don't bear the mark, if you will. And so, like, to some extent, I'm using them right now. Like, you mean you can not come around, but, you know, that doesn't yeah. mean that God won't, like, still have purpose in what he's using you for. In hopes that eventually you'll come around anyway. So, you, yeah. just, you know, there's allegory in all different kinds of ways. And it's always fun to try to figure out what you can do with it. But Or if you're a bad DM, just kill all your players and say, <laughs> we're starting over. <laughs> <laughs> or kill them all by accident like me. And bring resurrection into the picture. Guys, I'm just going to have you guys re uh, be redeemed. <laughs> um, I, I didn't mean to kill you all. <laughs> yeah. That well, sounds D&D. &D. Yeah. <laughs> I know that we could go on this one for a while and that we've already gone for about an hour here, so we'll yeah. get ready to wrap up. But uh, needless to say, I found over the last year while I've learned this game that it's not only a, a fun game to play, but it is a great way to teach the Bible or just, you know, theology in general to get people to think outside of themselves and to uh, just have a good time doing yeah, it yeah. to engage in like the larger questions that i think pastors have always found like these questions intriguing yep. and like you can see like a bunch of like like really like in-depth christian boards on all these questions um but like the average like congregation doesn't really like get themselves involved with a lot of these questions i feel as much as they they should mm. um and this is like one of the ways i feel like we can really dive into it that isn't just another you know wednesday afternoon bible study kind yep. of group you know that people will show up to for the first two weeks and then ditch out on so if you're a pastor maybe this would be a fun experience of trying to run a campaign of seeing how that works so uh yeah yeah and if you just happen to stumble across this podcast and want some more tips as to how to do that we've given you some pretty concrete examples throughout this but you can contact Tyler or myself on our webpage or Facebook page, and we'll get in touch with you and throw you some some tidbits. I talked about this, uh, how we use D&D &D on Michael Heiser's Naked Bible podcast. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and actually got like an email from someone who was like, okay, tell me how you're pulling this off. You know, it's like, <laughs> all right. So yeah, we can give you some tips and whatnot if you need that for and, sure and help you out. With that being said, though, that's another 1208-Bit Nerd Church podcast. We'll be in person Monday from 5.30 to 9. And when I say in person, I mean Discord online. (laughs) Though, uh, if numbers don't escalate, we may be back in person sometime soon. I just heard numbers might have gone up in Michigan. They went up again, yeah. I guess we'll have to look into that. But vaccines on the horizon, so hopefully sometime soon in this year. And uh, with that being said, Tyler's last words of the day are... That's from a D&D campaign. It is. That is a character in a D&D campaign. <laughs> and if you're not confused now... <laughs> if you haven't been confused this whole episode, you are now.